God, we love you. And God, we thank you so much uh, for this time of worship. God, we thank you in the midst of any circumstance that, that we can cry out to you. And God, that we declare today that we need you uh, in every area of our life, every situation, every relationship, that we need you more than anything else, more than anything the world can offer. We need the tangible, powerful presence of God. We pray today as we open up your word that you would teach us, that you would show us, and we'd leave our time together different. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Well, welcome to the final week of How to Live Through a Bad Day. From the Action Church living room to your living room, we've been studying the seven statements that Jesus made on the cross. And Jesus went through his worst day so that he could help us, so that he could help you overcome yours. Jesus went through his worst day so we never have to go through ours alone. And that is great news. And we started week one talking about letting go of our past. We talked about forgiveness. And we're going to end today talking about letting go of the outcome of our future. The last statement that Jesus made on the cross comes from Luke 23, verse 46. And he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. We started the series letting go of our past. Today, we're gonna to let go of the future outcome. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes in this room, at your home as well. Write this down, the theme for our time together today. Finally, lastly, surrender your day to God and let it go. Surrender the outcome of today and the anxiety about tomorrow to God and let it go. I don't know if you remember this. It's kind of an older movie. My wife did a message on this one time. Uh, the, the end of the movie, Titanic. You know, when Jack is holding on and, and she's holding on and I'll never let you go, Jack. I'll never let you go. And then she pries his dead, cold hand off of her and he drifts away to his death and doom. That, that's, we're holding on to something that is frozen, that is dead, that has no life. And I know that's morbid today, but you just gotta, you gotta let some things go. Too many of us are holding on to, to too much anxiety, too much fear, too much doubt. First Peter says this, chapter five, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. But we worry too much. We're anxious too much. We hold on to too much. Philippians 4 in the Living Bible says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs. And if you do this, you experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. I don't know about you in this room, but but I tend to stress out every every once in a while. I tend to be an impatient person. Worry worry is a, is a part of my life, and I'm trying to always get to the next thing. Come on, I, I know this is too soon for some of you. Hopefully, we'll get back sooner or later, 50% capacity. But how many of you love going to Disney? Anybody any Disney fans in here? Or guys you, like me, you don't love Disney. Why? Because there's just lines everywhere. I'm stressed from the minute I get in. Like, we have nothing to do. We have fast passes. We're there for two or three days, and I'm in a hurry to park and I'm, I'm mad about where they parked me. Why am I in this line? Like, let me go park up there. Come on, how many of you ever gone through the preferred parking or the handicapped parking and then gone where somebody left earlier in the day? Don't raise your hand right now. That's a sin for sure. But, but we're always in a hurry. You've got nothing to do. I got to get to this line and I got to get to this show and I got to get to this thing. I remember being on vacation one time with Stephanie on an anniversary trip. We're in the Bahamas for seven days. 
We literally have nothing to do for seven days. We're going to an all-inclusive resort with no plan, all the restaurants are there, no reservations required, nothing to do. And I am standing in the customs line, literally criticizing everything going on. Why is this moving so slow? Where is our car? What is going on? I am working myself into a frenzy worrying and I literally have nothing to worry about. And I'm telling you, on your bad day, when it comes to the eternal perspective that we're supposed to have, God's looking down like, what are you worried about? Like, I am in control. You've given your life to me. Why do you worry so much? Maybe it's helpful for us to define worry just for a moment before we dive in principally and talk about today. Worry is a Greek-rooted word, and it means a divided mind, that your mind is divided on something really that it shouldn't be focused on. Worry relates to the idea of of lordship. Who is in control? Who are you going to trust? God with your life or not? Is God in control of your life or are you and I still trying to hang on? Really, worry is a divided trust in ourselves and in God. And God demands a a full surrender. So if we really want to get practical today, worry is a sin. Some top areas of worry may be our family, our health, our money, our jobs, our, our chaos of this current life. Worry is a problem. And I got, I got four things I want you to write down today about worry. The first one is this, worry worry is unreasonable. It's unreasonable. We in Matthew 6 today, studying Jesus, teaching. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. Speaking about your body, come on, how many of you gained the quarantine 10? I, I'm buying larger shirts. I need to start ordering some new shirts right now. I'm so glad I'm sitting down. I'm wearing black. It's slimming. Don't worry about your body. We're going to be okay. You're going to get out of the house soon. I don't know about you. I've reverted back to some bad eating habits, too. I, I digress right now, but I mean, I'm eating like ramen and fast food, and I just, it's hashtag quarantine problems. Don't worry about that right now. You'll be fine. What you will wear is not life more important than food and the body and more important than clothes. Worry is just unreasonable. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, come on guys, it's like taking your wife out for date night. It just, it doesn't make any sense because you ask this question, where do, where do you want to go for dinner? And if, my, if your wife is like my wife, like Stephanie, she goes, I don't care. And then I'll begin naming places. She's like, no, I don't want that. No, I don't want that. We're like seven restaurants in and I'm like, I thought I... You said I didn't care. This doesn't make sense. This is unreasonable. Worry is unreasonable. It, just, it never makes sense because you're worrying about something that most of the time is never going to happen anyway. The second thing, worry is unnatural. It's unnatural. It is not natural for us to worry. God did not create us to worry. Matthew six twenty six says this, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? You know, humans, we're the only creation that worries. Like nothing else worries. What that tells me is that worry isn't natural. In fact, I want you to write this down today. Worship is natural. We're created to know God and to make him known, to worship God. Worship is natural. Worry is a learned behavior. Worship is natural. Worry is is learned behavior. It's unnatural. Here's the third thing. Worry is just unhelpful. Matthew 6, verse 27. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Come on, have you ever worried about something and felt better? 
Like even if, if the worst thing happens, you're like, oh man, I'm really glad I stressed out about that for a really, really long time. Like said nobody ever. And most of the time you're worrying about something and you get to it and you're like, oh, that wasn't that, wasn't that bad. Yeah. I remember tests growing up in school, you're worried, you're stressed, you get there, you're like, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Like I don't, I don't remember any of the test scores that I had. I'm 35 years old with a full-time job and I don't remember one test score that I, that I worried about, that I stressed about. There's just so much worry, so much life lost, so much time wasted by worrying. It's, it's unhelpful. Um, and it really, it really has no value. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? It's unhelpful. I don't know um, when's the next time we'll get back, but my boys love the arcade. They love the district and Oviedo. They love Dave and Buster's. Come on, how many arcade people out there? Old school arcade. Uh, and at Dave and Buster's, they, they used to, before they went to the cards, which is way easier. Come on, somebody. You, if you're a parent, you love the card because you used to have to carry around pounds of coins. <laughs> like you just had like pockets full of coins. Like you get $50 of coins for a bunch of kids and you've literally got coins everywhere. You got a bag of coins, you got coins on the ground. If you have kids like Kingston, you're losing coins. Like he thinks they're real money. And we get home, we'd always get home, especially when Kingston was really little before they switched to the cards and there would just be coins everywhere. I still have coins from when I'm kids, from like Chuck E. Cheese back in the day. And you look at it and you flip it over and what does it always say? It says it has no cash value. So you've got a coin that looks like money, that looks real, that has all of the same characteristics, but it's not good for anything. That's like worry. Worry has no cash value. It seems like you gotta carry it around, you gotta hold it, you gotta store it, you gotta save it, but then when you go and try and use it, it's unhelpful because worry has no value to your life, no value to your future. Here's the last one. Worry is unnecessary. It's unnecessary. Matthew 6, verse 30 says, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? You know, there's 7,000, over 7,000 promises in the Bible. And God has never failed, has never relinquished, has never failed to deliver on a single promise. So that means God's got your situation. Like you're worrying and it's unnecessary. If you will just give it to him, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Into your hands, I commit my situation. If we stop worrying, we pray, God promises us to give to give us peace. So I wanna challenge you to do that today. Right where you are, right with your situation, I dare you to, to trust God, to lean on that promise, to begin to give him all of your cares and all of your worries, and all of your anxieties, and begin to pray about everything and exchange this thing that has absolutely no value, your worry, your stress, your anxiety, where you're fighting for control, relinquish that to him and watch him fulfill the promise that you will exchange that worry for peace. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but Jesus, Jesus said that worry is sinful. It's sinful. And I don't know about you, but I, I've spent some of my life dignifying some of my worry, dignifying worry by calling it some other names. Like I'm just, I'm concerned. Mm. <laughs> I have a, I have a burden. You know, it's just, just my cross, to, my cross to bear. Mm. But the results are still the same. Instead of helping us live longer, anxiety and worry actually causes us to live shorter. And it's, mm. it's sinful. It's not God's best. If we're going to surrender, we cannot be divided, and we've got to cast all of our cares, all of our anxieties, and give them to the Lord, because if we do that, we don't walk in worry, we don't walk in heaviness, we begin to walk in freedom. 
if we're worried today, I know in this room there's worries. I know in my life that there are, are worries. We, we live in a time right now in this season where we don't know what's next. What, what is phase one of the back to work, the no longer stay at home order? What is phase two gonna be? When does my business open? When can I go back to normal? When do the kids go back to school? When does my spouse not hear every single day? Just so many things that you're, you're worried about, that you're concerned about. And I'm just here to tell you, you've, to get true freedom, you've got to release those to God. Finally, I'm gonna surrender my day to Jesus. I'm going to surrender my situation to Jesus. Into your hands, Heavenly Father, I commit my situation. And we get this promise, and we need to see something that Jesus is doing here. I've never noticed this before, but Jesus, he used a lot of scripture. When you look in your Bible, you'll see Jesus with quotations. He's quoting Old Testament scripture. Even the Lord and Savior, Jesus walking on earth, he did not say, most of the most profound things he said were not original thoughts in that moment. They were actually Old Testament quotes from Scripture. And this last statement is no different. Into your hands I commit my spirit was not a new statement. It was an Old Testament quote from the book of, the book of Psalms, chapter 31, verse 4 and 5. It says, free me from the trap that is set before me, for you are my refuge. And then here he says it. The psalmist writes, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus quoting that scripture, redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. The best thing I can give you today over anything else, how do you get rid of worry? Pray. But even more importantly, pray scripture. Find a verse, stand on it, lean on it, write it down, and begin to declare it over your situation, that I'm gonna give God everything. I'm not gonna pray my own opinion my own outcome, my own desire. I'm gonna find a promise from God's word, a principle from God's word, and I'm gonna release the worries. I begin to pray scripture. So how do we get rid of that worry? Practically, how do we take the next steps into this freedom, into committing our, our life and our situation into God's hands? I got three things for you as we wrap up this series. Get to know God. We're still in Matthew 6. We've been studying it. We talked about the problems of worry. Now we're getting into what do we do? How, what is the antidote? What is the solution? Matthew 6, verse 31 and 32 says, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. You gotta get to know God and you got to trust God with your situation. My question for you today is, do you trust God with your life? Have you trusted him with your eternity? We'll talk about that in just a moment. But, but do you actually trust him? Or do you compartmentalize? Are you a worrier? Are you divided? Like, like God, God is, has access to this situation, but not this situation. Like where in your life are you playing God with God? Like, no, I got this one. This one's, this one's small. This is my deal. This is, this is not a, a big deal. This is just my job, or this is just my kids, or this is just my marriage, or this is just my hobby, or this is just this section of my life. And if we're not careful, we'll section out our life, and we'll, we'll tell God when he's God, and we'll tell God when, when we're God, little G. Like, I've got this one. And we're divided, and therefore we're worrying. Do you trust God? If last week, when it is finished, was all about triumph, Today is all about trust, that Jesus saying, I'm on my worst day, and into your hands I commit my spirit. He was, he was dying in that moment, 
but I think there's something symbolic for our situation. We need to die to control. We need to die to our own will. We need to say, God, I give you access to everything. I love how the message paraphrase says this, the same verse, verse 32 in Matthew chapter six. It says, people who don't know God, people who don't know God and the way he works worry over these things. That should be convicting to a Christian. Like if you call yourself a Christian, a believer, a Christ follower, and we're worrying about the same things that the world is worrying about. It says those people who don't know God, like why are you stressed about the same things? Why are you worried about the same things? You know why? Because you haven't given that area over to God. The thing you are worrying about is the very area in which you don't trust God. Into your hands I commit my spirit, all of me. What area are you not trusting God? And here's the, here's the remedy to that. Here's the second point. Put God first in every area of your life. Not just the religious ones. Not just the moral ones. Every area. Matthew 6. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. Is God first? Well, we have a lot more time on our hands, most of us. Is God first with your time? Is God first in your family? Is God first in your career? Is God first in, in your finances? One thing that I've seen is, is this situation has caused us to trust in God. You're either really stressed out right now or you're really trusting in God. Because you just realized, maybe for the first time ever, that you're not in control. Right. Some of you had some great careers and some great businesses that just all of a sudden paused, stop, maybe gone forever. And you think, wait, where's my significance? Where is my, my uh, uh, self-esteem? Where is my worth going to come from? It's because God wasn't first. You had placed an idol there. Some of us, it's not quite as, as serious. It's sports. Well, maybe your kids' sports, maybe TV. Come on, can ESPN, can we just get back to some live sports? I, I know that I was, God was not first in every area of my life. I, I missed some sport. There's so many things, big and little. Is God first in every area of your life? And I'm not talking about getting super spiritual and not enjoying family and friends and sports and having a great career. I'm just asking you, is this the season where God reprioritizes your life? reprioritizes your family, reprioritizes your business, all great things underneath the lordship and the control of your relationship with him. But seek first his kingdom. You can't seek anything else first other than his kingdom. What a testimony that we can begin to live out to the world as Christians, as Action Church, if we actually lived out Matthew 6, verse 33. I'm just gonna seek God's will first. I'm gonna seek his kingdom first. Why are you still giving in this season? Because I'm seeking God first. Why are you still serving at outreaches in this season? Isn't that dangerous? Hey, we cannot, we cannot bow to the idol of safety either. We, we can't be stupid and we can't, we can't be irresponsible, but as Christians, we cannot lean back and say, I'm just, I'm gonna be in my own bubble, in my own safety. God is still calling us to reach. He's still calling us to serve. He's still in calling us to seek his kingdom first.
Put him first in every area of your life. Into your hands, I commit. I want you to make a list right now. Come on, right where you are. Into your hands. What, what do you need to commit to God today? I wrote down a few examples. Into your hands, I commit my, my marriage. Into your hands, I, I commit my talents. Into your hands, I commit my, my money. Into your hands, I commit my gifts. Into your hands, I commit my kids' sports. Into your hands, I, I commit my career. I don't know what it is for you, but what, what do you need to give over control today? Say, God, I'm not worried about this anymore. Into your hands, I am dying to the idea that I control this and I'm giving it to you. I'm gonna put God first in every single area of my life. And here's the third one, here's the final one. Write this down if you're taking notes. Live one day at a time. That I'm gonna get to know God better because I want freedom. I'm gonna put God first in every area of my life. And then I'm gonna live one day at a time. You know, someone said, the average person is crucifying themselves between two thieves. We studied in, in one of the earlier weeks that Jesus was crucified between two thieves. And most of us, a lot of us are living our life being crucified between two thieves. The regrets of yesterday and the worries about tomorrow. And that's why week one we started with forgiveness because you cannot regret and you cannot hold the bitterness of yesterday. It will keep you from getting through your bad days. It will keep you stuck in your bad days. But you can also not be crucified, die with the worries about tomorrow. You'll just stay stagnant. You'll never take a step. You'll never live the life that God has for you. Last verse I want to read you, Matthew 6, verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus promised, we've shared this verse several times in the series, in this world you will have trouble. Take heart, I have overcome the world. I don't think we can take heart if we're always focused on what's next. God says we have enough trouble for today. And that's why the scripture declares his mercies are new every single morning, which means he gave us the mercy, the power, the, um, the preparation, the provision for today. He said, I don't need you to worry about tomorrow. You're not even good at today. Come on, have you ever got ahead of yourself in something where you're like, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, you're not gonna do anything unless you start today. Like I met so many, I, I play golf growing up. Some people, I'm gonna be on the PGA Tour. You know, you, you're not even good right now. Like, you are not gonna be, like I'm gonna be a doctor. You, you're, you are not even, you have a C in your biology class. Like, you know what I mean? I'm gonna be a pastor. You're not even leading a small group. Like, like you, you can't keep looking forward to tomorrow and worrying about tomorrow when you're not even being faithful with today. Worrying about tomorrow does not help today or tomorrow. If anything, it robs us of our effectiveness today, which means we'll be less effective in the thing that we're looking for. So here's the last thing as we close this series. I believe if you will get just this idea that if we let go of yesterday and we release the outcome of tomorrow, and in every of our lives that got into your hands, I commit my today, that our bad days will begin to lose their sting and their power and the slavery that they have on us because we're gonna say, God, I'm just giving it all to you. So I wanna do that today, right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. We're gonna pray for salvation in, in just a moment. But before we do that, I wanna pray for all of us, myself included, that we would release control 
of our bad days into a good and perfect God. And say, God, I don't, I don't want to control it anymore. I don't want to worry about it anymore. I don't want to stress over it anymore. I give you my bad day. Come on, right there, right where you are. Begin to release that thing to God. You wrote it down earlier. Now, spiritually speaking, I believe in the Holy Spirit in all of our homes, in all of our kitchens, in all of our, our cars right now. You're outside at a park. I don't know where you're watching this, but I believe the Holy Spirit is ministering to you right now. And whatever you wrote down, I'm believing for freedom in Jesus' name. I know that God can heal that situation. I know that he can remove that weight. I know that he can bring a peace. Come on, begin to pray right where you are right now about that thing. And I'm just believing supernaturally that there's an exchange that's happening where you're exchanging some worry for peace in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye still closed. We've been talking about overcoming our bad days for seven weeks. And if you've never given Jesus your life, if you've never committed your spirit into your hands, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. If you've never into the Father's hands committed your life, surrender control, then none of this really matters. That is the only decision that matters. That is the first and best decision is the foundation of this life of faith that we talk about, that you accept what Jesus did for you. We've been talking about it for seven weeks that he lived a perfect life. He died a sinner's death and he rose again to give us access to the Father, both eternally and in our life today. And he did most of the heavy lifting. He did all the work, but he left one thing, one responsibility for you and for me. And that was to take a step towards him, to surrender our life to his Lordship. We talked about it today, giving him control. What if you did that today for the very first time? You gave your heavenly Father control of your life by accepting what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. If that's you today and you say, Pastor Justin, I wanna start a relationship with Jesus Christ. Or for some of you, today is a day of recommitment. That you've played the church game, you attended church buildings, you attended religious gatherings, but you know that you are divided. This message for you today may not have been about worry, but it was about your attention, your control, your surrender being divided. There's some things in your life that you have been the God of. And you say, today, I'm not doing that any longer. I'm no longer divided. I am recommitting my life and I am surrendering complete control to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So come on right where you are for the first time, or for the first time in a long time, say, I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can raise your hand or you can begin just to pray this in your heart or out loud right where you are today. Say something like this, say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. And today I'm confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord. And I'm giving you that place, complete and total control. God, have your way, have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, God, I pray for all of us today. God, I pray this would be a season as we walk through our bad days. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are claiming the promise that Jesus went through his worst day so that we do not have to go through ours alone and that Jesus went through his worst day to help us overcome ours. I pray for breakthrough and victory and freedom in Jesus' name. We love you. 
We thank you for meeting us here today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen.